previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. The game got good. What a great opening night for the NFL. Dak is back and Dak is good. They have three alpha males at wide receiver. They're still the San Diego Superchargers. Yeah, but, you know, you call them LA if you want. Murray can kind of make that next step to be an elite quarterback. You know, you let one of those young guys go in there. Next thing you know, he's starting the season and you're not. The broken clock is right twice a day. If I keep picking them, eventually they'll get there. Cam Newton made the mistake. Get vaccinated. They got to score 35 or 40 points. I think they're the best team in football. Of course, they have the best player in football. Oh, I mean, that's an easy choice. You talk about a homer pick. Man, I'm being real with you. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, and once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh, mama, there goes that man. You know, ladies and gentlemen, start of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I am so glad that you have joined me again. If you are returning, if it's your first time, welcome aboard. And we hope you stick around for many, many more episodes. Well, this one is going to be fun because it's football, football, and more football as we get into a lot of different things surrounding the NFL. I'll have a number of things coming your way, but let me tell you this first. If you've never been uh, to the website, please go to wadeswordproductions.com, wadeswordproductions.com. You can check out past episodes. You can get to know me, us, uh, all the stuff that I'm involved in. You can check that out, listen to all episodes. I mean, every one of them is there. So that is the way to do that, wadeswordproductions.com, and subscribe to the email list. That is a way that you can get periodic emails from your boy. Not frequently, but not frequently enough these days but if something is going on and i want you guys to know about it if you're on the email list you will receive that email also the sports line i have a sports line for you guys to get involved with and you can call me 24 hours a day and leave a message if you want to be heard if you have a question a comment a suggestion 832-941-6614 that's 832-941-6614 and of course on social media on facebook the sports talk with devin wade group and the fan page those are great ways to be interactive, not only just with me, but with all the other folks who tune into the show and love sports and love to talk noise about it and all that good stuff. So that's on Facebook and, of course, on Twitter at Wade's Word. So all of those ways are ways to be interactive, and we want to be as interactive as we can. So this episode, we have our guy, E-Rob50, Eddie Robinson, former NFL linebacker, European sports nerd, our guy. You know him. You love him. He's on the show. We're going to do some wifey side piece and crazy X with him. Also get his thoughts on the New Orleans Saints and other things in and around the NFL. We'll get into some headlines. We're going to do some uh, We the People, where I hear from you guys on the sports line, so you can definitely uh, get a chance to hear what it's like when you leave a message and you get a chance to be on the podcast. We have a Lamont Award and a whole lot more, but let's start with some Headlines. In headlines, well, you have to be captivated by the action we've seen on the field in the NFL. A really compelling first couple of weeks of the NFL season. Some closely contested games, some down-to-the-wire games, some overtime games. Did you know that eight games last weekend were decided by a touchdown or less, and seven of those by three or less? So, I mean, it's really, really parody at its best week in and week out, and there have been some surprises and some teams that we thought week one were doing great and on their way and then they fall right back down to earth you look at a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers they go on the road to Buffalo and win and then you come back home and get your quarterback beat up and then you lose to the Las Vegas Raiders I mean it's just you know how do you figure that out how do you figure the New Orleans Saints doing what they did to Green Bay in week one And then you go back in a divisional game, which, again, those are always tougher. You can kind of you don't have to worry as much about blowouts most of the time with interdivisional games or intradivisional games. So that was a tough game. 
But their offense looks so awful, did the New Orleans Saints. We'll talk to Eddie Robinson. I'll get some answers from him. Maybe he knows. That's his his team that he loves to follow, although he played for the Oilers and the Jaguars and the Titans. Didn't play for New Orleans, but that's his hometown team. So we'll get his take on that a little bit later on. Another takeaway from the second weekend of the season, you have to start by looking at the huge matchup between Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs. Look, I will be the first to admit, I and I think a lot of people were with me. I don't think that I'm alone, and one week does not tell the tale for the season. But it was shocking how interchangeable those running backs were in Baltimore as they got their game ground game going against the Kansas City Chiefs. And it really is it more about the effectiveness of the run game, which, again, you, you I mean, this is an aside from Lamar Jackson looking like, you know, the Black Panther out there. I mean, it, that's an aside. He he does that a lot. But what was surprising to me is that running game really transitioned so easily without the top three running backs, all whom are out for the entire season. You put in three new guys, and they put in work, and and there you have it. So uh, that was really, really interesting. But was it more about the fact that Kansas City can't stop the run, or is Baltimore's running game just that effective? We'll see as the season progresses, but I know that Honey Badger, uh, Tyron Matthew said, hey, we have to stop the run. We have to do better at stopping the run, and that's a, you know, that's a tall task, because uh, again, you still have teams that will be committed to the run in January. You have teams like the Cleveland Browns. You have teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers. If they can work it out and get their thing worked out, they are committed, and I think they'll be more committed to the run with Najee Harris moving forward, and then you have Buffalo. So you have some teams that in the AFC, not to mention the team that just beat you, which, again, if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire doesn't fumble the ball right there, they win the game. But I think it's important to look at the fact that these guys have been unable to deal with the run enough. So we'll have to see moving forward if they can get this done. And one of the big question marks about all of these really good teams Tampa Bay gives up a lot. Dallas, which I don't know, you can debate where they are in the the grand scheme of things, but they are poorest defense. Although they've faced a couple of really good teams offensively the first couple of weeks. Tampa doesn't do work. Kansas City doesn't do work. Uh, There are other teams that just, you know, they, they haven't proven that they can stop teams defensively. So we'll keep an eye out on that. The fourth down call in the Baltimore game, everybody acted like, oh, what a brilliant move. What about, oh, that was just the, the, the courage it took to make the decision. That decision was made for you because you did not want to give the ball back to Pat Mahomes and that Kansas City Chiefs offense. You just didn't want to do that. So they made the right decision. Lamar Jackson got the first down, and they win the game. So that was really, really exciting. The Houston Texans were competitive, but not Tyrod Taylor is out. You Speaking of, like, now at this point of recording this podcast, we know now that three quarterbacks are out. It was Andy Dalton. He is out. Tua Tungavailoa. Let me say it again because I practiced for years. Not really, but I've said it enough years. Tua Tonga Vialoa, he is out in Miami, and Tyrod is out in Houston. I thought Tyrod and the Texans were really competitive in the first half, and, and really as long as Tyrod was there, they were in the thick of things. And then obviously Davis Mills comes in the game. He turns over the football and sets uh, Cleveland up with a short field. And then by that time, hey, that running game had grounded that defense down and just gashed him, I think, for 65 yards, 75 yards in the fourth quarter. So they really got the ground game going. But, again, this is what I have consistently said all along, that the Texans will be competitive week in and week out with Tyrod Taylor. With Davis Mills, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to get it done. I just don't think that Mills is transformative enough to – I mean, again, so much is going on. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. But I don't think uh, Thursday night I I wouldn't give them a chance on a short week. They are at home versus Carolina. But if that Carolina defense resembles anything close to what they did on Sunday versus the New Orleans Saints, it's going to be a long night and a short night of NFL football on Thursday night. Other sports that are going on, other things that I wanted to talk about, 
And, and again, hit me up on any NFL stuff because I'm really, really deep in the NFL stuff. I want to get into my fantasy stuff, but I'll spare you guys that right now. But I will say the Astros are just four games. That magic number is four games before they clinch another division title. So I have to give it up for those Houston Astros. And we better really bow down and enjoy the greatness of Carlos Correa as an Astro because these are probably the last couple of months of him in a Astros uniform. Let's hope that it ends with a World Series title. Let's hope so. Let's hope that we get the trophy here in Houston one more time. But, uh, again, just a joy to watch the team. They're getting kind of healthy, although still having some a little few issues here and there. We'll have to see uh, how it goes moving forward with uh, as we get into the playoffs with baseball. College football, of course, Texas Southern Tigers, we were idle last weekend. We needed it after taking a huge loss to the Baylor Bears, 66-7, to looking to rebound and at least be more, much more competitive and really go for the win against a beat-up Rice Isles team. The Rice Isles are 0-3 after getting decimated by the Texas Longhorns, and really they have some quarterback issues, injuries at quarterback. So we'll have to see uh, as the Tigers uh, go to Rice Stadium to play the Isles for the first time ever. So that'll be fun. We've played in Rice Stadium many, many times. I mean, yeah, I remember the how cavernous it felt on a late November game when we were out of contention. And it was, yeah, we had some rough games in that building. But, yeah, nonetheless, that, that should be uh, really excited, exciting. And we'll talk about that on uh, KTSU Sports Talk on Saturday morning. And, you know, football, college football stuff is doing what, what they do. Uh, but those are some big issues. Ben Simmons wants to be traded. I mean, this is a whole new world for me in that you have you're starting to have more and more major athletes get paid to not play. We've already heard that John Wall and the Rockets that have come to an agreement that he's not gonna practice, he's not gonna play while they look for deals for him. And of course that's on top of in the city of Houston, Deshaun Watson not playing. And people thought that oh well maybe with Tyrod going down, maybe they would activate him No, they were never going to activate him. And even if they do, I would imagine the league has something to say about it. And I think to keep from putting him on the commissioner's exempt list, I think this is the way that the NFL and the Texans are going to proceed. And it's just one of those things. Now Ben Simmons says he's not going to report. How do you get rid of these contracts? I mean, you need to, you do need a degree from MIT to figure out the numbers to match a deal for Ben Simmons and John Wall. John Wall is owed a ton of money. I don't know. How do you unload that guy? How do you unload Ben Simmons who won't shoot in the fourth quarter of a a playoff game when you need him? Part of your big two who was not there at all and and really afraid to take a shot late in, uh, in that series versus the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> yeah, that's how disconnected I am from basketball. Uh, by the way, uh, media day is Monday for the Rockets. And so that's coming up. And also, um, in addition to that, hey, we're not far from preseason basketball. So soon, in the next month, we'll have postseason baseball, preseason basketball, and regular season football. It's going to be great, 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 great time for one and all. So with that, I want to go to a segment that we call We the People. Time for We the People. In the We the People segment, what we do is we check our sports line, and you can give us a call, 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. And I think we had a call at 2 a.m. We've had them at 3.30 in the morning. So, hey, you can literally call 24 hours a day and leave a message with your comment, your question, your take. So if you're a third shifter or if you wake up in the middle of the night and you just have to talk about the Los Angeles Chargers, then we'll do that. Just just give us a call, leave a message, and you too could be on the very next podcast. Let's see what we have on Sportsline. Hey, what's up, Devin? This is VL calling out of Kansas City. I just wanted to call in and kind of give my thoughts and takeaways from week two and 
uh, and particularly the Chiefs-Ravens game, man. Uh, I know a lot of people are, are down talking the Chiefs defense, but, you know, the, these last two games with the Browns and the Ravens are really highlighting things that the Chiefs defense weren't built for. You know, the Chiefs offense can really help the defense. And, uh, I mean, you got Chris Jones, who is one of the best interior pass rushing linemen in the game. You got Honey Badger back, and, you know, we see what he can do. I mean, he's a ball hawk, man. Uh, they're just built to play with a lead. And, you know, once the offense gets going, like everybody knows they will, uh, I mean, you won't see Tyreek as quiet as you saw him against the Ravens. Uh, I mean, you know, those guys are going to pin their ears back, and, you know, that pass defense is, you know, going to keep us in the game. The other thing I kind of took away, man, you know, aside from maybe Tampa Bay, you know, the Browns, the Ravens, they're great teams, but, I mean, you got to play perfect against the Chiefs. And even with that, you need things to fall your way to try to beat them, right? Like, with the Ravens, I mean, if Clyde Edwards-Alard doesn't drop that ball, I think, you know, we're, ha we're having a different conversation. You know, even though, you know, hats off to Lamar, uh, it was a great game, and I mean, it was just amazing watching two of the best quarterbacks in the game play, man. Thanks, El. We certainly appreciate you checking in. And let me say this before I talk about his comments: uh, uh, he was leading in pigskin pick'em. And if you, I, I may not know who you are. We have over fifty, uh, close to fifty-five, I think, participants in the pigskin pick'em. You can still get in. You won't win the season, but you can win a week. You can have a really, really good week and and really compete with us. Again, go to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on pigskin pick'em on ESPN. And you can pick with us. We've already been talking about it quite a bit on KTSU Sports Talk. Well, EL was leading. He was among the leaders along with Tabari and a couple other people near the top. I was near the top. I wasn't at the top. Haywood was up there as well. Not He was behind, of course, EL and Tabari and those guys. But EL didn't make his picks week two. So he fell all the way off. Let's see if he can uh, recover over the next 15 weeks. So he can definitely uh, try to make strides. This is going to take him a lot of time. It's, uh, you can maybe make up one week. You can't make up two weeks, I don't think. But you certainly are free to get in on that for bragging rights. A bunch of media folks in the city of Houston are in it. Former NFL players are in it. Uh, former, I mean, just a lot of folks that, that are in it. And uh, former champs are in it. So, yeah, it's a whole lot of fun. So you definitely want to check that out. You know what? And I, I found myself when... And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumbled that football. I was really crestfallen. I'm like, it kind of shocked me how much of a Kansas City Chiefs fan I am, and really offensively. But I like Andy Reid. I like Pat Mahomes. I love what they do offensively. I'm a fan of Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Just nobody like him in the NFL. And, you know, I just wish they had a, another, and you can't have it all. Look, when you are paying Pat Mahomes what you're paying him and you have to pay Kelsey and you got Chris Jones on the defensive side, you got Tyron Matthew, you got other guys that are making money, so you can't pay everybody. But it would be nice to have a reliable number two receiver. You have Robinson and Hardman, and you have some guys, but and you lose Sammy Watkins to the team that beat you on Sunday night. But not that that's a huge loss, I don't think, but it would be nice to have a, uh, a more marquee guy uh, at the other receiver over there. Uh, but, I mean, the other two receivers are okay. They're fine. They're serviceable. They do work from time to time. But, yeah, it would be great to have another one of those. But, yeah, I was really rooting for Kansas City. I just love what they do offensively. They're creative, and they have some guys that can just, just do it. Uh, I think, again, we go back to can they stop the run, and then that's all you're going to see in the postseason. You're going to see teams that like to run the football. That's You know, when it turns cold, you start to see those teams that can play defense and run the football make a run at a Super Bowl. So we'll have to see if they can shore some things up. I think a, a commitment to stopping the run is step one. Now, let's see if you have the personnel to do it moving forward. But, again, you can call us anytime, 832-941-6614. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614.
you guys and gals get an opportunity to give us a call. We always love to be as interactive as possible. A couple things I wanted to provide clarity on, because I mentioned these things, and I assume that everybody is as immersed in the NFL as I am. Uh, when I talked about the Tyrod Taylor injury, it's a hamstring injury. He's on the IR. He'll be out for at least three or four weeks, maybe even up to six weeks. In addition to that, Andy Dalton with a knee injury, he will be out. And Justin Fields, the rookie, the much-heralded rookie, will get the start. Also, Tua Tonga-Vailoa with a rib injury. Jacoby Brissett gets the start in Miami. We don't know about Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger, who uh, hurt a peck. He was beat up pretty bad. I mean, he was roughed up. Even uh, Coach Mike Tomlin addressed that. He, he took uh, too much punishment in last Sunday's game versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Don't know if he'll play against Cincinnati with thinking, uh, their thinking. The word is that probably come Sunday he'll be fine or at least able to play. In addition to that, Carson Wentz don't have any word on him. So you're talking about a, uh, a war of attrition already uh, when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, that conceivably could drive up the market for Deshaun Watson. But then again, no, it won't because who is going to trade for a guy when you don't know when and if he is going to play again? I mean, obviously he will play again, I think. I don't. We haven't seen anything to indicate that he may not ever play again, but it won't be this year. And it won't be, I don't know, again, I can't imagine that 25 cases will be resolved by next season. And we'll have to see what the NFL chooses to do because I think the NFL and the Texans and Deshaun Watson all have an understanding. I think that he is being held out in lieu of being placed on a commissioner's exempt list. So that is that. Didn't talk enough about the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys beat a, a really good Chargers team. And that was a big win for them on the road. I am really disappointed in Seattle. Seattle's been one of my favorite teams for a while. And I'm just really disappointed that they they didn't close that game out against Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. They were up, and they should have won that game. And and it's a shame that they didn't. But we'll talk about Derrick Henry and Tennessee and a few other teams and players that were not only nice, they were D-nice on the other side. In addition to that, we still have our resident DJ coming up. We have our conversation with Eddie Robinson. We have a Lamont Award and a whole lot more. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway, you get your podcast. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. For more content, go to wadeswordproductions.com. And with that, I want to uh, hand out my superlatives. You know, my I want to recognize the folks uh, that did their thing. And, of course, if you've been listening for a couple of years, you know that we recognize not just the players that were nice. There were a lot of nice performances. Uh, I narrowed those down. And those uh, fellas and those teams are not only nice, they're D-nice. When you talk about teams that were D-nice, you have to start with the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens overcame being decimated by injuries over the last month and an early pick six to defeat the defending AFC champs, the Kansas City Chiefs, 36-35 Sunday night. Lamar Jackson was out there looking like T'Challa, and the committee of running backs looked like the 80s boomer Sooners. They were D-nice. Although they bumbled and stumbled through the final drive and benefited from a bad call by the officials, the Cowboys did go on the road against a fledgling 
Los Angeles Chargers team, and they actually won the game. It took an unlikely Greg Zerline 56-yard field goal to win, and the Cowboys were D-nice. How about the Raiders? The Las Vegas Raiders split aces and hit Blackjack twice in the first two weeks of the season versus a couple of AFC North teams. This week, the Raiders were all over the Pittsburgh Steelers and gave the Steelers that work. Their car looked great, and the Raiders stymied the Steelers' offense, holding them to just one touchdown in the second half on the way to a 26-17 victory. The Carolina Panthers came up huge defensively versus Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints with a 26-7 victory. The Panthers moved to 2-0 on the season. The Saints were held to just 128 yards of total offense. Next up for the undefeated Panthers, they head to Houston Thursday night to take on the Texans. They were D-nice. Teddy Bridgewater and the Denver Broncos are quietly 2-0 on the season. The Broncos defense picked off Trevor Lawrence twice on the way to a 23-13 victory. The Broncos are D-nice. When you're talking about players who were D-nice, you have to start with Lamar Jackson. Jackson showed why he's one of the most exciting players in all of football Sunday night versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Through the air, he was 18-26 for 239 yards and a touchdown. And on the ground, he had 16 carries, 107 yards rushing, and two more touchdowns in a huge Baltimore victory, including that big fourth down. He did have a couple of interceptions, but nonetheless, he is and was D-nice. Tennessee Titans running back Derrick Henry is like a reboot of a 70s sitcom. Big, powerful, dominant running backs like 70s sitcoms were plentiful back in the day, but they are a rare sight these days. But Henry did it again versus the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. Henry rushed for 182 yards and three touchdowns on 36 carries. He added an additional six receptions for 55 yards. He's a unicorn, y'all, and he is D-nice. Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray. I can't explain him. Defenses can't obtain him. His play on Sunday is so, so amazing. He stomped all over the Minnesota Vikings defense for 400 yards on 29 of 36 passing with three touchdowns, and he rushed for a fourth touchdown as the Cards eked out a 34-33 victory over the hapless Minnesota Vikings. He was D-nice. Not Old Man River, but Old Man Bay, as in Tampa Bay's Tom Brady. He keeps rolling, and unlike explorer Ponce de Leon, Tom Brady has found his fountain of youth in Florida and threw for five, yes, count them, five touchdowns on Sunday versus the Atlanta Falcons in a 48-25 victory. He keeps going and going and going, and he still is D-nice. And finally, the Las Vegas Raiders quarterback, Jerry Carr, the much maligned Jerry Carr, has been getting it done lately. Sunday, in a 26-17 victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers, Carr was 28 of 37 for 382 yards and two touchdowns. He was, and they all were D-nice. Now, I know before you guys get started, there were some teams and some players that were missing from that list. But you know what? I'm open to suggestions. Of course, you can always call the Sports Line or hit me up on Twitter. I'm on Twitter all day on Sunday in the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. You can just send those to me if you want to put the stats in there with them or you say, hey, man, let me tell you who was D-nice. I want to hear from you guys on that one. So with that, going to take another time out, come back on the other side with our guy, Eddie Robinson, former NFL linebacker, a European sports nerd, and uh, again, a, a native New Orleanian, and uh, he'll talk about, I'm sure, the Saints and a whole lot more. And we have a Lamont Award. But first, a word from our sponsor and our resident the DJ, DJ Anarchy on this, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams.
second hand. Bones bounced on old man, so then we moved to Shallon Land. A young youth, you're rocking the go-to. No goose, only way I'm getting the G.O. is drug loot. Unless started like this, son, rolling with this one and that one. Pulling out guns for fun. But it Music for my resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, doing his thing. The house plant mixes. He does his thing. He, he uh, is around the greater Houston area. So you definitely want to check him out on SoundCloud, on Instagram. That is, uh, again, DJ Anarchy. But if you have music, if, uh, if you're a band or a rapper or a DJ, and you want your music heard on the podcast of somebody you know, just email us, music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. Now, the genre doesn't matter. We'd like it to be radio edit or relatively clean. And we'll try to work that into the podcast. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an entire track at the end of the podcast. Coming up, our conversation with Eddie Robinson and also the Lamont Award. But I have to tell you guys, man, I have been really immersed a little bit in Texas Southern football, more so than in past years. So I haven't been able to. My priority, though, my priority really is this podcast. So if I don't come out as frequently as I want to, it is just because I am stretched a little thin. But you guys are very important to me, and I want to make sure you know that. And I want to make sure that you continue to support me, and I keep putting out quality, quality podcast. So thank you so much for your support and your patience. I know the consistency has not been what you want or what I want, um, but we're, we're juggling a lot of balls and uh, trying to keep everything going and rolling. And it's going to be tough as we start to travel with those Texas Southern Tigers over the next couple of weeks. Got homecoming, all that fun stuff. So uh, staying busy, KTSU Sports Talk as well. But right now, let's get into our conversation with our very own Eddie Robinson. Eddie Robinson back aboard, and boy, we are in the midst of the NFL season. It's been a really exciting couple of weeks in the NFL. We've had eight games decided by one score or less this week, seven of those by three points or less. Man, what a weekend for NFL football. Let's start with, let's start with your Saints first. The Saints, of course, James had all that goodwill after getting off to a great start in week one, five touchdowns. It looked like, okay, yeah, this is the guy. This is the fit. And then you go into a divisional game versus Carolina and 128 total yards on offense. What happened to that offense of uh, the New Orleans Saints versus the Carolina Panthers? Yeah, I mean, that was that was one of the lowest levels of, of offense in the in the Sean Payton era. Uh, so, of course, you got Sean Payton without Drew Brees, so that's a big deal. But, you know, one of my old coaches, Dick Jerron, he was my, my defensive coordinator with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and went on to be the head coach and with the Chicago Bears and actually played in the NFL for quite some years, was a really good cornerback. I remember we had a real bad loss, and he said, guys, I'm going to tell you like this. You're never as good as you think you are, and you're never as bad as you think you are. And I think that's what that's exactly where the Saints are. And so when you get that big win and you're sitting up here thinking that we're the best team in the world, you, you're probably not that good. And then when you, you lay an egg like the Saints did, then you're probably not that bad. You're probably right in the middle. So I think the, the Saints are right in the middle of, of where they – played the first week and where they played the second week. So where would that go from here? I mean, I think that's the biggest question, but I think offensively they just never really could get anything going. And, and, and as much as Sean Payton and Drew Brees got credit for throwing the football, the Saints are really a running football team. They're at their best when they can run the football when they want to. And they could never really establish the run against Carolina. They had pretty much shut them down defensively and uh, with their defensive front four, and the Saints just couldn't get anything going. But if you if the Saints can't run the football, it's going to be a tough year no matter who's that quarterback. What's surprising to me, even in week one, he had the five touchdowns, but he didn't, he didn't have very many yards passing. Everything was short and underneath and quick hitting. And, you know, you and I talked about it, and a lot of people talked about, hey, one of the things that – Jameis brings to this offense is the fact that he can go deep and make uh, deep throws that Drew Brees couldn't make in the latter part of his career. Where's the, the the extended passing game for the Saints, and what's going on with that? Well, I think that's something that, that Sean Payton is going to have to really make a conscious effort to do. And I, and I think it was we were so accurate and, and so good with the underneath route from the you know 20 yards and shorter 
And uh, Drew Brees was just able to be so consistent because when you're going, you know, five, seven, eight yards of play, I mean, you have to be real consistent because those drives are going to be like 12 to 14 plays, which is good. But one mistake and it throws you out of whack. Instead of having that second and six, you got a second and 16 because you had a holding penalty or the, or the quarterback took a sack. Or, so you can't really have any negative plays with a guy like Drew Brees. Yeah, that's that's real good. But with with Jameis, I think the offense is going to be a little bit more up and down. So I think you have to plan protection, you know, roll them out, maybe max protect, send one or two guys out on the route, and then take those deep shots. And, and so you have to take them because you have a quarterback with a big arm. And if you don't stretch the field like that, then that defense just kind of suffocates and they almost dare you to throw deep. And I think with Jameis, with his – you know, still kind of learning the offense and getting back into the groove, he won't be as accurate as Drew Brees for 12 to 15 plays. So you got to take, hey, we got five good plays. Let's take a shot deep, see if we can't get in the end zone or at least get in the field goal range. So I would look for Sean Payton, who's a very smart coach. He'll make the adjustment and, and play to Jameis's strength and realize that, hey, this is what we need to do to, to stretch the field. And if it's a max protect because of the offensive line, hey, you max protect and make sure you get, get the ball out. Well, let's talk about, I mean, there are several candidates for the game of the week, but let's talk about the game of the week featuring the, the two most, two of the three or four most exciting quarterbacks in the entire NFL. And when you talk about Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens versus the Kansas City Chiefs and Pat Mahomes, man, what a ball game. It went back and forth. Uh, Lamar started slow with the pick six, and things just didn't go well for them early in the passing game, two early interceptions. He comes back brings that team back. There are a number of layers to this uh, this whole game when you talk about Kansas City's not able to stop anybody and then they fumble on their way to going to a game-winning field goal. What were your thoughts on all that went on Sunday night? Because so much went on. Well, I think that's why the NFL has the highest ratings of any sports because it, it's kind of like you get the TV drama of a murder mystery and you don't know who did it, and and the whole time is going back and forth. Like, hey, was it the butler? Was it, you know, was it the painter? Was it the pool guy? And so I think that's what that's what sports kind of brings, especially the NFL. Because I mean, could you imagine being at that game with the highs and the lows of, oh man, Kansas City's going to blow us out. Wow, we're back in it. Oh man, we're going to win. Oh wow, we had a mistake. So I mean, I just think it's, it's it's beautiful when you have two guys who are competing at such a high level and two teams and offensive coaches who can just really you know highlight the amount of talent that was on the field that night it was a it was a great game to watch and i'm sure it's one of those games where you say it's a great game yeah it's a great game if your team wins but unfortunately you know somebody had to lose but even at the end i mean it was drama all the way to the last play because baltimore you know going for it on that fourth down realizing if we punt the ball back to kansas city they don't need a field goal do you want to take that chance even giving Mahone 30 seconds and all he needs is a field goal. Like, nah, man, let's, let's try to end this right here on fourth down. I'm going to go with my offense. And if we win, we out of here. If we, if we don't get this, uh, this first down and hey, we're going to have to hold on to our seats. But I think the game was definitely delivered all of the hype. Well, they acted like Harbaugh made this, this, oh, wow, what a courageous decision. No, I think that was the was only decision. decision. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some people are like, oh, can you believe he had the balls to do that? Yeah, it, that was the only thing he could have done. I mean, that team, the defense had gotten decimated. But one of my concerns is, and I look at Tampa Bay and I look at Kansas City, and you look at some of the better teams, uh, even uh, Arizona, that's 2-0. A lot of these teams that are doing really, really well, the Dallas Cowboys with a, with a big win, they can't stop anybody. What is going on with these these uh, these defenses on these quality football teams? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you one thing that I learned, you know, especially playing in the run and shoot era, and uh, and I think Gilbride learned it. Who you know early he didn't he didn't know it early on in the run and shoot era because it was always I got to outscore you and 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 you do have to outscore the defense but what people don't realize you only have to outscore the defense by one point for us to win the game offensive coaches think how oh, we got to be up by 20 no nah, we just got to win by one my man so this don't try to throw deep or have three passes consecutively where you run off 20 seconds on the clock then your defense who's already a liability is out there for 60 or 70 plays the best thing you can do for a bad defense is ball control offense and you still can ball control i mean uh i think walsh was one of the best you know offensive coaches with the 49ers of 
I'm going to steal ball control in the passing game with the quick slants, throwing at the backs. I'm going to still move the ball around. But at the end of the day, I'm going to control the ball, and I'm not going to have my defense out there for a whole bunch of plays. So to me, what you're seeing is that, yeah, these offenses are so high-powered and they're scoring, but they're almost scoring too fast. And when you score too fast, then you get that exposed defense back on the field. And that defense, they may be good for – you know, if they get seven drives, they may can stop them five. But if they got to go 12 drives, they're not going to stop them those last three or four. They're going to get exposed at some point. So I think these offensive coaches, yeah, score a lot of points. But at the same time, I think the head coaches have to manage the football game to realize, hey, let me try to conserve this defense. You know, it's, we have a minute, 30 seconds left in the half. Well, you know what? Instead of us trying to score real quick, Hey, let us run the ball one or two plays to make sure that we get the last possession of the half. So if we don't score, nobody don't score. And I don't think teams are really looking at the whole concept of football of we need to win by one point and not that we have to win by 20. So I want to ask you about, I mean, a, a back-breaking loss by the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, but I do want to ask you about Derrick Henry, man. We, we talked about him in the preview show. Man, this dude is a grown man. Yeah, and, and, numbers- and he's only getting better. And, and – and he's at the point where he's supposed to not get better right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> but he's yeah. still getting better. <laughs> 182 yards on 35 carries, three touchdowns, six more receptions for 55 yards. I mean, and you know where they're going, and you still couldn't do anything with him. I mean, it's just he's an amazing uh, you know, talent. He's a throwback. I, I compared him to uh, a 70s sitcom. Back in the day, there were plenty of backs that yeah, were like that. Yeah. Now nah, that's a, a rare thing, but uh, just an amazing performance. I mean, is there anybody even close to him at running back? Well, I think if you look at the fact of the size and the strength and his physical ability, you know, with the stiff arm and everything he brings is is the classic power running back. But whenever I played against Jerome Bettis, you know, he was he kind of reminds me of a Derrick Henry. He was just as big and strong and physical. And he also was a guy that had good feet. Like, you know, contrary to belief, the bus wasn't really trying to run you over. He was always trying to fake you out. He was always, he always felt like he was the big kid with good feet, which he was. But the thing about the bus where I, I never mind playing against a guy like that because he couldn't take it the distance. You know, he didn't have a whole lot of runs over 30 or 40 yards. Even if he broke free, somebody was going to catch him. We're going to make him snap the ball again. We can hold him to a field goal. The thing that is most impressive about Henry to me is that this guy, for the size and the and the strength and the power that he has, once he gets around the corner, he's outrunning cornerbacks. He's outrunning safeties, guys that are weighing like 180 and 190 pounds, and he's giving up 35, 40 pounds to him, and he's just like high-stepping at a steady speed down the line, down the sideline. I don't know if they don't want to catch him or if they can't catch him, but he always scores on these long runs. To me, that's just amazing how a guy that big can have the speed to go the distance and just carry it on throughout the whole ball game. It's, I mean, he's one of those players where you always think, well, this year there's no way he's going to do the same thing again. But he's off to the same start. There's, there's no reason to think that he won't get, you know, 12, 1,300 yards and like 20 touchdowns, which is amazing. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you this. Because he's so big, it's like an optical illusion. You you can't believe something that big is running he's away. moving that fast, from, correct. Yeah, from a guy who, <laughs> whose legs are just pumping, you know what I mean? So uh, that's something that's interesting to watch. Last thing before we get into wifey side piece and crazy eggs, want to ask you about the Cleveland Browns, the Houston Texans. The Texans were hanging in there, and then, of course, uh, Tyrod Taylor goes down. You put in a rookie. Rookie throws an interception, setting up a score and they were never able to really recover. But they were really competitive in that game until Tyrod uh, went down. What do you think about all of that with the Texans? And then you can talk a little bit about the Browns and Deshaun Watson in the mix. Because, of course, if Tyrod can't go Thursday night, they're still not going to activate Deshaun Watson, which is no surprise to anybody who's been watching. But what are your thoughts about all of that? Well, I, I mean, if you start with the Texans, I mean, realistically, the Texans are trying to be a competitive team this year. Of course, you you, you never want to give up on a season, especially, you know, that's, that's just not the message that you give to your fans. But at the same time, you're trying to get the first round pick. So let's let's be honest here. I mean, you're trying to hope you're hoping that we can win four or five games and still be the worst team in the NFL. And you're also hoping that somebody will step up and give you those two or three first round picks. Um, at the same time, so that way you can, I mean, you can really go from last to first in one year if everything goes right for the Texans. But I mean, the fact that they're being competitive, they're they're staying in the football games and competing. 
I mean, even without Tyrod Taylor, I, I think, uh, you know, the team is still playing hard. And that's what you want to see. As a fan, you're like, hey, we, I know we're outmatched. You know, our MVP candidate is standing on the sideline or wherever he's at. He's, he's not playing. And so I think all of the fans have realistic expectations, but the team definitely gets a, a, a feather and a salute to say, hey, we're playing hard no matter who we have, but the 53 guys that we have out here, we're going to compete and try to win every football game. And that's what that's what being a professional is all about. So you definitely have to salute those guys for that. Yeah, and I give a lot of credit to David Cully. These guys seem to have bought in. Lovey Smith, the defensive coordinator, has them turning over the football. They came up with another turnover this weekend and another pick on Baker Mayfield. Uh, I, I just think, and I said this at the beginning of the year prior to, that this is a professional football team and they're yep. going to come and they're not going to just be a cupcake. They, they're they like the contender in boxing. That's the guy that, you know, you know he's going to give you a good fight, but you have another to beat him uh he's just the perfect opponent and i think for a lot of teams the texans will be the perfect opponent but i do think they'll sneak up and win four or five maybe six games we'll have to see oh, absolutely and and the, and the rivalry is still a rivalry so if if you're the texans when you're playing the titans i mean you're hoping the titans are trying to get the first week by you're hoping that the titans are trying to win the division because you would like nothing more to say hey we may not be making the playoffs, but you know what? We're going to make it harder for you to succeed in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and I've been on the team that had to, that had to play that role sometimes. Like you said, you play that contender role. Sometimes you can play it for two quarters, sometimes three, some deep in the fourth quarter, but usually it's some flaw on your team that's, that's obvious whether, where that, that better team is going to usually pull away. But hey, give credit to the Texans early on in the season for being contenders. I, I don't think they'll make the playoffs, of course, but I think they'll definitely compete throughout the year, and that's what you want to see. Well, I tell you what, it's time for a segment that we call Wifey, Side Piece, or Crazy X. This is where I give you three choices, and you tell me which one you're wifing up, which one is your side piece, and which one is the Crazy X. Let's start with the most legitimate 2-0 team in the NFL right now, the Carolina Panthers, the Denver Broncos, or the Las Vegas Raiders. Of those three, who are you wifing? Man, I tell you what, I I probably would just not show up to the wedding, but if I had to wife one of them, <laughs> I, I must have had a shotgun at the back of my head right now. I have to go with the Las Vegas Raiders, but I don't know how long this, this marriage is going to last, to be honest with you, Devin. I mean, <laughs> the Raiders are, 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 to me, they can be a contender. But I just don't have a lot of faith in the quarterback. I, I feel Man, like he's he been makes... playing great. He had 382 yeah, yards, two touchdowns Sunday. He's a little dinged up, but I'm hey, you can't complain about Carr so far. I, two I, games. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. And I'll tell you why. Because I watched the first game, and as many times as he threw to Waller, who I you know, think is probably the most dominant tight end in the NFL, and will lead the league, will lead the tight ends and catches and receptions if the quarterback is accurate. Because they double-team him, this kid can still get open. And my problem with Carr is that he's just not a very accurate quarterback. He makes the throws that he's supposed to make, but he also misses the ones that he's supposed to make, and he does it in crucial time. So unless he can be a more accurate quarterback and more consistent, I just don't see that team getting to that next level when you have Mahomes, you have Lamar, you have other guys who can be that next level, even Herbert in San Diego. I don't think he's even the top six quarterback in the AFC. So I think his fools go, although I'm going to marry him right now. And I'm and, hey, it, it, she, she my boo, and I'm hoping it work out. But uh, I may get a prenup <laughs> with this one, bro. <laughs> All right, who's your side piece? Is it going to be the Carolina Panthers or the Denver Broncos? Well, I would have to go with the uh, Carolina Panthers. I think that they have potential, you know, they, they uh, but that defense, and they have a legitimate quarterback. He just had a, had some troubles in in giant in, in with the New York Giants. But I think you know he's a guy and with McCaffrey, and they have some offensive weapons. If they keep playing defense the way they did against the Saints, I think they can be a contender. And maybe for a wild card, I don't think they can win the division and top Tampa Bay or New Orleans, but they can definitely stay in the wild card contention. So I guess uh, Teddy Bridgewater, that's your that's your crazy ex. Yeah, I, I'm just not seeing Teddy B doing it. I mean, come on, they gotta have, they got San Diego, they got Kansas City. I mean, they got the Raiders. It's 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 just tough going through that division. That may be one of the toughest divisions that we have. And and when you look at it, the Broncos are looking up on all of those teams. 
Well, not yet. <laughs> they're two and zero right now, so they're not looking up to them yet. Next up, let's go to the one and one team on the season that you have the most faith that will turn it around or keep it going. The Seattle Seahawks, the Pittsburgh Steelers, or the Baltimore Ravens. Who are you wifing up out of those three one and one teams? Well, I'm gonna have to go with the Seattle Seahawks. And let me tell you why. I mean, first of all, you have an MVP caliber quarterback. I mean, this guy's only getting better. Lock it. They have the deep ball working. And uh, I mean, Seattle is just a hard place to play. They they lost their first season opener in like 12 or 13 years. They were real close to tying. I think tying the record, either breaking the record. But I don't think they'll lose any more at home. And and I just feel like they're still the class of the NFC West, even though the Cardinals are making some moves, of course, you still have the 49ers, but I feel like the Seattle Seahawks, of course, um, with the, with the, with the quarterback position, they got the trigger, man. I feel like they'll still win that division. Uh, I don't know how far they'll go in the playoffs because they may not get that first round by and all of that. They'll be a little banged up, but they'll definitely win the West. Okay. Well, who's your, your uh, side piece, the Steelers or the Ravens? Well, I think you have to go with the Baltimore Ravens for that. And with that, like we said earlier, man, you still have the MVP and Lamar Jackson. And Baltimore, I mean, the biggest question with Baltimore is going to be the running game. Can they replace all of those injured guys? And so Lamar is going to have to really have an MVP-type season. And I think he can. If he can stay healthy, he'll probably have to run the football a little bit more than usual just because they're banged up in the running game. So, but did you see yeah. that running game Sunday night? They ran the ball well with, like, Latavius Murray and, and a couple guys. I don't even know who they are. But they, well, they really they, were effective in running the football against the Kansas City Chiefs. Can they keep that up? Well, the thing about it is the reason that the run game is effective is, once again, because of Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's the guy that you have to account for. So he has to run the football to open up the running game. And the reason I say that with those RPOs and the read options and stuff like that, it's always one guy that you don't have to block because that guy has to be honest on Lamar Jackson, usually that defensive end on the end of the line of scrimmage. That opens up the run game because now we can block the other guys and we know that if that defensive end wants to close down on the running back, then Lamar Jackson's around the end, and that's what no team wants. You'd rather Latavius Murray have the ball and get seven, eight yards in the pile, so we probably can stop him, than Lamar Jackson going around the outside with one-on-one on the corner of safety, and he can score from 80 yards out. So as long as Lamar Jackson can run the football effectively, he's going to dictate that the running game is going to still look good in Baltimore. But look, Let's not forget, he's, he's the, definitely the straw that stirs the drink for the Baltimore Ravens. It's Lamar Jackson's team, and if they do well, it's going to be because of him. Let's talk about the Steelers then. I mean, you have no faith that the Steelers can get their thing together at all, or, <laughs> or, or will they be in the mix but just not of those three, not the team that, you, that you're high on? Yeah, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is like the, the old gunslinger. Now, now the, the X factor with the Steelers, and to me, that's Najee Davenport. I mean, I think that this guy is a legitimate big-time running back, and he can catch out the backfield. I mean, he was lights out at Alabama. He has the speed to go the distance. I mean, I think that overall he can probably be like the next, the next best thing to, to Darius Henry, not just in the AFC but in the NFL. I, I knew – once he went to the Steelers, they'll know how to use him. And I think that's the guy that's really the X factor because he can do so much and open up so many other things and take the pressure out of Ben Roethlisberger standing in that pocket and taking those hits and trying to throw the deep balls. I mean, now, Ben, hey, he's been shooting that six-shooter for a long time, and at some point I'm thinking he's going to have to reload because he's he going to be out of bullets. But I, I mean, he's still he's still slinging it, but I don't know if he can keep up the pace the way they started the season. Well, if they don't protect him better than they did the other day against the uh, the Raiders, then it will be an issue for them. Finally, 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 the best rookie year. After it's all said and done, we're starting to see these guys, these rookie quarterbacks, get into the flow. Uh, let's talk a little bit about them. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. At the end of the day, which will be the have the uh, which player will have the best rookie year? Who are you wifing? So, hey, I'm going to go with Mac Jones on this one. And let me tell you why. I mean, he's with Bill Belichick. Keep in mind, this was the guy that took in a Tom Brady, a young Tom Brady with no experience, and and won the Super Bowl with him and won a whole bunch more with him and won a whole lot of games. So if you look at Mac Jones, he's the same type of quarterback. He can manage the game. And, And people, when they say, oh, he's a game manager, they act like that's a bad thing. Well, to me, the number one quality you want in a quarterback is what? 
game manager. You know what I'm saying? Don't lose the game from the quarterback position. Now, once you establish that you can control the game from the quarterback position, at that point, hey, I want you to be great in two minutes. Hey, I want you to be able to make the out route through. I want you to make the decision. I want you to change plays. Yeah, but all of that starts with being a good game manager. And he probably was one of the best in college. And so don't discredit this guy just because, oh, he had a lot of good talent at Alabama and stuff like that. Well, he has a lot of good talent with the Patriots also. So I think not just the combination of Mac Jones, but him being in the system of a good, solid defense, a great Hall of Fame coach who knows to always how to manage the game. And one of the best at realizing that I only have to win by one point. They're never going to give away a football game with New England. That's going to translate into that quarterback having success also. So if is it uh, Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence? Who's your side piece? Well, I think I have to go with Justin Fields as the side piece. And, and with Chicago, I mean, they probably won't have a very successful campaign, but I think the talent around them with Robinson and some of those other guys it's just a little bit better than what you have in Jacksonville. Probably a little bit more established. The the can is a little bit further down the road, although it's still, you know, in the in the dusty rocks and the gravel. It's not shiny yet. But I just think that Fields can probably step up and, and be in a little bit more of a successful environment than Trevor Lawrence down in Jacksonville. Well, I agree that Justin Fields has more of the skill positions. He has some uh, Allen Robinson. He has Mooney. Uh, he has a, a decent running game with Montgomery. But uh, ooh, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he's shown some signs, although, of course, he's been picked off quite a bit. But I don't. I think the the problem in Chicago is the offensive line. I, don't, I think, man, they might get this guy hurt, and that's why a lot of people are in favor of keeping Andy Dalton out there as the starter until you come up with some sort of remedy for that offensive line in Chicago. Yeah, but to me, if you're smart, you know, one thing you do with, with Fields is that you have to get him out the pocket. Like, if you know your offensive line is a liability, why have the quarterback sitting behind a, a picket fence offensive line? I mean, you should – every other place should be a rollout to the right. Of, to, that way he can know where the heat is coming from. He can always have that run pass option. Keep it simple for him. So, I mean – yeah, I, I definitely understand that they need a first-round pick in the offensive line next year to try to shore that position up because, you know, without the offensive line, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. But at the same time, I think the only way these guys are going to get better is they have to have experience. And that experience, even if it's a bad experience that rookie year, hey, design plays and keep him out of bad situations where he doesn't have to take those hits. So it may be a third and 15, and you say, you know what? We're going to take the five-yard slant. Maybe the guy runs and gets the first down. Maybe he doesn't. But third and 15, we're not going to drop this guy back seven yards in the pocket behind a shady offensive line and run an 18-yard in cut. Or are we just asking for him to hold the football and take a hit? So a lot of it has to do with coaching and understanding that, hey, we have a young quarterback and not a very good offensive line, so we're going to call plays to protect him and keep him out of those tough situations. So what do you think of Trevor Lawrence so far? Well, I think Trevor Lawrence needs this, the same remedy that Justin Fields has. I mean, you have to – I mean, you're always coaching to win, but you have to realistically say – and, this, and you, I mean, and him and the head coach, man, they got to have some humble pie. I mean, they those guys haven't lost in a long time. And and when you're a winner – Never for Trevor and, Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, correct. Never you're a lost. winner and you're used to winning – but it, one thing about the NFL, it's just no magic bullet. I mean, you got to have a good team. And, and it's like it doesn't just happen with the quarterback. I mean, usually the successful quarterbacks are the guys like Mac Jones who come into a team that was, you know, 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, and seven the year before. They, they were picked in the 22nd, 25th round. And it's a pretty good environment to step into. That number one, number two pick, that was probably the team that was 2-14 and 14 or 1-15. and 15, And they were 1-15 and 15 for a reason. I mean, so it's, I mean, I don't care how good you are at quarterback. It is such a team sport. You can't just add that one, you know, basketball player who can make everybody better. I mean, you make them better, but you're not going to make them to the point where you're going to be a contender. And it's going to be growing pains. And so they just have to realize and it's the same way. Sometimes you may be down by 21 or 24. And instead of drop back and you know, drop back passing all three times, you may have to run the football on first down, try a play action, and just continue running your offense so he can progressively get better. And it's not that you're giving up on the game or on the season, but you're trying to look at growth of how good we can get this year. And so the end of this year and next year, we want to start turning the corner where we can actually start winning ball games and compete and bringing in some additional players with another high draft pick. Well, hey, man, we certainly appreciate your take as always, man. Uh, look, this is this has been a great season the first couple of weeks. What do you? I mean, are you have you been excited by this year's NFL so far? 
Yeah, I mean, because I, I, I think you're seeing so much, and it's, it's showing a lot of parity. You have a couple two and and0 teams who we didn't inspect, didn't expect. You have a a lot of one and one teams who we like. Man, we thought they were going to win the first six games. So I, I, I feel like the Dolphins will be, you know, popping that cork once again with, with not an undefeated team pretty early this year. They may not get out the month of September. So oh, this wow, should, yeah, it should be pretty that. interesting. Everybody has a chance. It's a lot of teams that are going to be there in the end for the playoffs. And, and that's, I think that's what the NFL is look, really looking for. When you come to Thanksgiving in December, you want everybody to still have an outside mathematical possibility to still make the playoffs. And I think once you have that, then the NFL is like, hey, man, this is a good year. All of the fans are engaged, and everybody feels like, hey, wait till next year. We're going to buy some more season tickets. <laughs> now, how can folks reach you on social media? Hey, I'm at uh, erob50 on Instagram and Twitter. You know what? I emailed, I, uh, I I tagged you on Twitter Sunday. You never did respond. I thought after Baker Mayfield got hurt, I'm like, oh, they showed Case Keenum warming up on the sideline. Oh, and Stop I tweeted you. Case Keenum Case is Keenum. still getting the NFL paycheck. <laughs> that dude's going to have a big pension at some point. What is it, like year 13 or 14? I don't know, but that's, he, he, he earned it, and he deserves whatever he gets. So, you yeah, I, was, I, I had a <laughs> we, we need We need another U of H quarterback to step up and do some great things in the NFL. Because you and another Ward. one of my buddies who went to U of H, <laughs> every time Case Keenum takes a snap or a warm-up, it could be preseason. Hey, man, you seen the cool guy there? Like, man, stop it. <laughs> hey, man, Greg Wood, is he still in Philadelphia? Did he make the team this year? The fact that you asking me <laughs> is a problem. <laughs> hey, man, we appreciate you like always. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Loved it as always. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. One thing, Ed, as always, you can always reach out to him on social media and let him know how you feel about his thoughts. With that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big the Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy or big dummies of the episode. Well, the list is really, really long when it comes to this particular incident. And let me say that by now it's dated and most of you guys have heard and read about it. But I had to pile on because with the NFL preview and all things going on, I haven't had an opportunity to talk about it. I'm talking about Bishop Sycamore, the fictional high school that had real-world consequences for a bunch of people who uh, the only thing you can say about maybe a half dozen to a dozen people around the country, you can adequately use this phrase. You are about to lose your job. You are about to lose your job. And I say this because this was a fictional high school that ESPN televised nationally. So you start with them, okay? Well, I mean, it starts with Roy Johnson, the coach who had active warrants for his arrest out. And he still had – you talk about big, big balls. You going on national television, letting the light shine on a fraudulent school, sometimes like like where's the humility? Where's the feel? Like, wait, you know what? I want to do this, but I don't want it to get this big. It's like saying, hey, I'm going to, you know, hustle somebody, but I'm going to do it on national television. No, you got too, too big, Roy Johnson. And what he did and what they've done – what what they did was create a fictional school with a fictional football team with guys who didn't even go to school, graduated from school, and some of them in the 20s, and they're playing real football games. And somehow, some way, ESPN decided to televise this game nationally. This was ridiculous because when you think about the vetting process that should have gone on, you're talking about flying producers and cameramen. I don't know if the on-air talent was on location or did it remotely. Maybe they were remote, but it doesn't matter. You still had to have a setup there to televise that game. So whoever scheduled that, whoever didn't vet that, uh, those are a couple people who may lose, may have already lost their jobs. And the thing about it, ESPN's closed ranks on this. You're not going to get any reporting from ESPN on this. But in addition to that, IMG Academy, the team that blew them out, played them twice. 
Played them twice and didn't realize they weren't a real school. And then there were other schools that they played that never found out that they weren't a real school. So a bunch of people got duped. And it goes back to something I've been saying for a long time. We shouldn't, I'm not really comfortable with having a lot of high school games televised. I'm just not. As much as I love Texas high school football, and I do, I played it, I was a part of it, it is a part of my my background and my heritage as a Texan, I love it. But, you know, nationally televised games, um, I feel a little funny about that. A lot of people disagree with me about that. But I think, hey, if you can't even figure out if this is a real school, all the folks at ESPN, IMG, Rudd Johnson, hey, the law got you, so we won't even include you in this. But for all of those involved with the fiasco that was the Bishop Sycamore football season and nationally televised game, you all are big dummies. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> This is the most bizarre. This is among the most bizarre stories I've ever heard in all of sports. This was crazy. You just make up a team and you get all the way to ESPN. I don't know what what, what was the end game for Roy Johnson. Where were you going to go from there? You weren't going to get a coaching job. You were getting blown out. You were getting kids hurt or young men hurt. This was ridiculous. This was bad, a real, real bad situation. So a lot of, like, when you hand out an Emmy for best whatever ensemble cast, it's like 25 Emmys go out. But this Lamont Award goes out to about 25 to 50 people around the country who uh, did not vet this or clean this whole situation up and allowed it to happen. So with that. Before I let go, before I let go, before I let go, hey, want to thank uh, Eddie Robinson, want to thank DJ Anarchy, want to thank our sponsors, want to thank you guys, want to thank EL for checking in, want to remind you, give us a call on the sports line, 832-941-6614, 832-941-6614, and of course, check us out on wadeswordproductions.com, and hey, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. Can you remember all of that? We'll try. And if you can't, at least remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.